Greetings, greetings, fellow flower sniffers, friends of the forest. Kyle here from Tippy Canoe Herbs. Welcome back to another episode of Herb of the Week. How's Sagittarius season rolling for you? It's rolling for me, just like it always does. You know, every time that we move from a water sign to a fire sign, I feel it. It just like lights it up. The energy shifts dramatically. So I, I definitely recognize that we are in a new sign right now. And the, the, the most fun sign, in my opinion, which is probably also a fact, <laughs> and that's Sagittarius. And um, so today we're going to talk about burdock. And burdock is, I'm going to say it, I know I say this a lot, but it's, <laughs> it's one of my favorite plants. <laughs> and uh, so I'll tell you why. But I, I work with this plant pretty much every day for my own benefit. And uh, because I love it and because it works so well for me, I recommend it to a lot of other people too. And so I got a lot of burdock on hand. I'm always making medicine with burdock. Whenever I see a burdock pop up in the garden, I'm like, yes, leave it, leave it. Don't, <laughs> don't dig that up. Don't touch that. Don't mow that. That's my burdock. And so, yeah, let's begin with some burdock wisdom. I think a good place to start is the name. You know, I was just thinking about the names, these botanical names, not the yeah, I mean, the common names, the botanical name. So the co the common name, burdock, refers to burr. It's burrs that it has. It's got lots of burrs. And dock, whenever you see the word dock, that's like an old English word for large leaf. So basically means large leaf plant with burrs. And the botanical name, I was thinking about this. I was like, who's in charge of the 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 authority who's the authority on the botanical names like where do like do people just accept that authority <laughs> has anyone ever challenged it i know botanists come along and they're like we declare that rosmarina rosmarina officinalis is now salvia rosmarinus but then who like who's keeping these records um, and like who's enforcing them, I guess, is my question. Is it like the Vatican? Is there like a secret, some sort of task force that tries to rewrite people's textbooks and stuff like that? Do, do we, are we just so easily, um, we all just kind of agree, just appeal to the authority? Yeah, they figured it out. But anyway, I really like the botanical name of this plant because to me it's symbolic of, uh, the really deep story that this plant has. And if I may uh, put my storyteller hat on for this podcast, not that this is like a fable or fab, you know, it will be fabulous, <laughs> I hope. But um, the thing about Sagittarius is that they're all about the saga, Sagittarius. They're the travelers of the Zodiac. They're the ones that go out to all these places and roam around and, go from this place to that place, collecting trinkets and souvenirs and stories in particular and stories. So the word saga is related to Sagittarius. And uh, I hope that I can make this do some justice and honor the saga that I feel in my heart about this plant, how it has a very deep story to tell. And uh, let's start with the name on that story. So Arcticum is the genus. And the one that I use, the one that's like the official one that's around at herb, uh, herb shops and actually that grows near me is called the Lapa. So Arcticum Lapa is like the most famous burdock. And from the word Arcticum, um, you might guess Arct Arctic like Arctic circle. Do you know what that means? Do you know what Arctic means? It means bear. So the word Antarctica <laughs> means against bears. Like you're like bears are not allowed to go there. Actually, nobody's allowed to go there. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there is a something like a 160 country treaty that has been in effect for decades and decades that no matter who's at war with each other, they all agree 
that nobody's allowed to go to Antarctica. Why not? Why don't you just let us go to Antarctica? No. You try to go below 60 degrees south parallel, and your little sailboat, they're going to blow you up. There's, there's going to be a Coast Guard of some sort of military escort that's going to say, turn your boat around or we'll open fire or we'll seize you. I don't know if you're aware of that, but I sure think it's interesting, don't you? Like, why can't we go there? What's going on there? You hiding something? Wait, I thought the Soviet Union and the, and the United States were enemies. Why are you guys agreeing to <laughs> blow up a, a boat that crosses the par- the 60-degree parallel? It's kind of weird. Um, maybe the explorer Admiral Richard Byrd from the United States when he went there and came back and talked about it on live TV and talked about how beyond the ice wall, there was, you know, it was ice for a little while. And then after a little while, it started becoming land again, um, green terra with streams and waterfalls and even giant mammals, what he thought was woolly mammoths and things like that. So I don't know. Uh, Pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, the, the bear, Arctic. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying Antarctica, it's a very interesting place. And anything that's against bears, like the bear, like what's, what's wrong with bears? Why can't the bears go there? Um, why can't anybody go there? It just makes me, makes me curious. And when my curiosity gets peaked and I start looking behind the curtains, I start seeing little wizards of Oz pulling their little buttons and levers and trying to control the world in all their weird ways that they do. But anyway, Antarctica, burdock, Arctic, Arcticum Lapa, like the, the word Lapa also kind of reminds me of lap land, which is North, you know, Finland area. But the word Lapa is also a reference to like holding on to or binding, gripping. Um, and in other languages, it's also been referenced as a hand too. So uh, air quote, seemingly un, you know, connected cultures all agree that there's something connected with this word lap, um, which is about gripping and binding. Like, oh, you lap, lapped it up. Like a dog laps the water. Have you ever seen a dog lick the water in slow motion? Their tongues make like a little spoon and it like pulls it backwards. It's, it's really cool. You got to look that up too. After you look up the Antarctic Treaty, <laughs> look up that one first. All right. So this plant, the name of this plant is referencing the bear. And... I think this is a a really great introduction to spiritual signatures as well, like totem signatures. This is something that Matthew Wood has been teaching about, and I know he's got a book coming out next year called A Shamanic Herbal. I'm really excited for that. He, He was the one that introduced me to the idea of how plants can be the, not just the signature of the plant, but how animals interact with the plant to get an idea about how to work with it as medicine. So imagine the bear, which is a big old um, animal that's full of hair. It's not a woolly mammoth. <laughs> we can all agree that there's a bear still here in this earth today. And... Um, and uh, the shape of the bear is very similar to the shape of a human when a human is like walking around on all fours. Bears can move like humans, like they, they can ambulate on hind legs for a little while. And so indigenous people that lived in places where bears were and burdock was would always uh, kind of look and watch the bear and see what the bear was doing when the bear was going to go into his cave at the end of the, of the season and he's all plump and fat from eating all the berries. Is that why they're called berries? Because the bears eat them. And eating all the salmon and stuff like that. And then um, going into the underworld, which is the part of the year that we're in right now. We're in the underworld. Uh, this is the dream time of the year where the, the dark is stronger than the light. The night is longer than the day. 
And so we're in this kind of dream realm state. And then once the bear, the bear is the totem animal of the dream lodge. It's, it's the guide in a lot of cultures to the initiatory work that is to be done in dreams. And then when the bear emerges from the cave in springtime, the, you know, the indigenous people, whether they're in Finland or whether they're in Russia or whether they're in North America or whatever indigenous population, just imagine indigenous to your ancestral, wherever your mind is going when I say that word. And uh, they're like, st- they're like freezing. Oh, I've been waiting for this bear to come out all winter. What's he going to do? And um, the bear comes out and it's just like so hungry. Oh, I, I can eat anything. I'll eat the, this thing on the ground. Oh, and it starts digging up and it's looking for specific roots. And we talked about this in the Angelica episode that the bear was looking for Angelica. It was looking for Osha in like mountainous areas in North America and Canada and North America and Canada. <laughs> we, all, we can, we can count them together. And, um, but also they're looking for burdock and why? Because these plants all have a similar commonality in that they're really oily. They have a lot of oily carbohydrates and when you have a, an appetite that is, um, you know, really hungry and you are a creature that is emaciated, this would be a really good medicine for that. So the bear constitution benefits from burdock. Like this, just imagine like a bear kind of person, you know, big old, you know, huggable, you know, burly flannel wearing, got lots of hair on his, you know, on his shoulders and stuff. Um, or a woman that's like that, you know, bear constitution that they come in all different people. And, um, but also the emaciated bear or like somebody that comes up in the springtime and they're, they've been in a cave. Like they look like that. Um, so think of like a wiry Vata type person that's really dry. Burdock would be really beneficial for that constitution as well. I think that's really interesting to note. The other thing too is that Matthew Wood points out that not only is this plant hunted by the bear or sought, I don't know if hunted is the right word, sought after, foraged, um, but it's also, it looks like the bear. (laughs) And that's the spirit signature of the plant. So looks like an animal. The animal has these totemic kind of spiritual qualities to it and Um, And therefore, we can derive more meaning from it. I'm going to give you another example real quick. Geranium, which looks like, um, it's also called crane's bill, looks like a stork. Like when it goes into seed, the flower goes into seed, it's got this one long, like beak-like appendage and these spirals that look like the head of of a stork. And that is a plant. What do storks do? Anybody? Everybody should know that's how you get your baby. You go to amazon.stork.com and nowadays, and the, and the stork will just bring it to your door the next day. But back in time, you had to write to the stork and the stork would you know take nine months to fly here or whatever. But anyway, the stork is associated with uh, childbirth. And so while geranium, as you might suspect, also has a strong affinity to that is that it is a tonifier and it's really tonifying to the pelvic and uterine muscles as well. So prior to birth, after birth, etc. So pretty interesting field of study, the spiritual signatures and the way that the burrs of a burdock plant kind of look like a, 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 a wet bear. Um, and yeah, so I think that's really cool. Then another thing that I want to note too is whenever I see the word Arctic, and I my mind automatically goes to the polar reference because I am a polar-centric dude. Like I'm really into polar cosmology. That's my thing. That's what I'm all about. And seeing that the central pillar, the central pole access that would be symbolically placed at the North Pole of this realm and connecting 
as a wheel or as an axle to the wheel that separates heaven from earth. And so the word Arctic is pointing to that particular place. And the bear is also kind of plays a role on this in this story of the world tree, which is, you know, the bear is the thing that's below. It's going into the underworld. So the world tree isn't just the canopy and it's not just the ground that we stay on and the trunk that we see and the squirrel that's moving up and down, but it's also got the roots and the system below that has a lot to do with, you know, the underworld. And then in other, and the underworld is turned into a, in like the eyes of Christianity has turned into a thing of like, that's the place of punishment and that's hell and blah, blah, blah. But we're just talking about like your own, we're talking about shadow work too. You know, we're talking about dream world. We're talking about the unconscious subconscious self and of collective humanity as well. So I love bringing all of that up right away when I'm talking about burdock, because it really sets the stage for the potential of this plant to have a lot of myth and story and exploration in multiple facets when we talk about bears, what bears might mean to people. Seeing bears in dreams, when we talk about the North Pole, we're talking about an access point that connects this realm to our creator. Um, we're talking about the fractal North Pole that we each have. You know, we have this this, this realm, this giant realm, and then we have our holographic self, which is um, the whole realm is part of, you know, an energetic center within this realm. And we also have that fractal location, that fractal North Pole, it's our spine. It's our Shashumna that connects us with our creator. And we can explore all of that with burdock. And so, yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Let's talk about the role of burdock in nature because this is a fun topic for me because <clears throat> I love seeing burdock come up in the springtime. I'll describe the plant along the way so that you can understand the role of burdock in nature and what the plant kind of looks like and whatnot. So it's a biennial, which means that it takes two years to do its thing and then it's done. And so in the spring of the first year, the burdock seed germinates. And when it does, it makes, you know, a, a little focus on the root, especially in the tourist season, you know, that's a big root time. And then it makes its, its leaves start to become really big, um, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And then the fall comes and then it says, whoop, better go back un into the underworld and preserve my energy. And so it takes all of its energy from its leaf that it's gathered from the earth and it brings it back down into its root. And through the winter, it develops that tap root deep, deep, deep going down, down, down. Now in the springtime of the second year, it wakes up again and it is going to be a massive plant. It is its tap root. It's got a tap root. So it's going straight down and the taproot can be six feet long and the rootlets like little microscopic, you know, hairs, they can go down 30 feet and down, and they're going down, 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 down to the layer of the woolly mammoths, fossilized bones. And they're pulling that stuff up, up to the surface. And these leaves are getting huge. These leaves are now in the second year, like I've seen burdock around town that has leaves the size of my torso, like gigantic leaves, elephant, you know, woolly mammoth sized ear leaves. <laughs> and then it starts to form a flower stalk. So it sends up a sock and this flower stalk uh, makes flowers and they're beautiful flowers. They're purple and they're iridescent, very very uh, third eye-like, really beautiful. And the bees love them. Everybody loves them while they're flowers. And then the flowers turn to seeds and their little pointy appendages start to curl up a little bit and they become burrs. And then those seeds will want to stick to everything that they touch and so on. And then the leaves dry up and all of that 
you know, minerals and cell salts from the woolly mammoths are laid down onto the topsoil and regenerate the soil with high quality nutrients and a lot of biomass. So it's awesome. What a great job, burdock. Way to go. Totally rule. Okay. Except if you <laughs> except if you are uh, you know, part of the controlling authority that is like we name these plants and we also get to decide if they belong here or not because they're not native. So native to what? You know, woolly mammoths. I guess woolly mammoths should be native too, right? But um, but anyway, so there's this group <laughs> in my town that um, is just a group of volunteers, and they volunteer at this place called the Urban Ecology Center, and they're called the Burdock Brigade. And the Burdock Brigade, and they have like a little calendar on their website, like, just come show up, dig up some burdock. Uh, we're going to get rid of all the burdock in this little area. It's going to be awesome. We're doing great work. And so I'll find out when the Burdock Brigade is going to be there, and I'll show up and I will take the burdock that they dug up for me and I will use it and process it into medicine. And I'll tell you why. The reason why is because it is really hard to dig up <laughs> because it's such a long, long route. You have to get like a special, one of those like narrow shovels, those like narrow long shovels. And those can break off sometimes in the ground like you like when i go to test out a shovel in the hardware store i'll like put it on the concrete or whatever the hardware store and i'll like step on it and if it bends or like wobbles a little bit then i'm not buying that one like i sorry if i bent it you know i'm just testing it out before i put it into the ground and if it's not you know so i want to make sure that my burdock shovel is good but i don't even need a burdock shovel anymore because i got the burdock brigade to dig it for me in the burdock brigade, they get done, they wipe their brow, and they're like, oh, sweet, who brought the, you know, the Capri Sun? Um, I'm like, hey, can I take that, can I take that plant? And they'll be like, uh, do you know that that's an invasive species? <laughs> like, oh, wow, cool. Um, anyway, I was planning on using it for, some. one time I said I was going to use it for medicine, and they, the, the, um, event coordinator like flipped out. They're like, that cannot be medicine. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, um, just tell me when your shift's over and I'll just, or where you're piling it and I'll just come back later. And so that's what I do now is that I just kind of come up, I show up at the last minute and I'll be like, Hey, where are we putting all this burdock? And I'll just find out where the compost pile is and I'll just come back and put it in my car. So there's no hard words or anything about it. Another time I, I came and they told me I explicitly, no, I was not allowed to take away the exterminated uh, invasive species from the pile or whatever. So I was like, so now I got to be sneaky about uh, stealing weeds that other people dug up. All right. So anyway, that's the thing. So it's really hard to dig up. It's best to dig up in the fall because of, oh, sorry, of the spring of the second year. That's when the best medicine is. Imagining what I just put down where all that, all the, uh, the energy is back into the root of the plant. And then as it um, gets older and older and older and turns into, when it, when it starts turning into like a, a leaf stalk or a, sorry, a flower stalk and starts making burrs, the root is cached. Like it's, it's kaput. It's, um, it's time to pack another one. Cause it's, um, all of the vitality of the plant went into the reproductive aspect and it's just like, ah, and then it died. So it's good to get the medicine in the spring of the second year. That's the best way. And how do you know it's the second year and it's this because it's the springtime and you see these giant leaves. That's how you know. And so if it's the springtime and you see tiny, tiny little leaves, then that means it's just starting. So you can mark that spot and come back to it. Um, I think I'll talk about a little bit now about the medicine of the root. And I'll start with just kind of tailing on what I was just talking about there. I think there's a personality type to the person who really could use burdock. 
and I see this in the burdock brigade <laughs> and I see it in my clinic and I see it in, in a lot of things. I see it in people and I see it in conditions too. And that's what I would say is hot liver, hot liver. And so a person who's got a hot liver is, let's just say also like type A personality really wants to get things done right. Um, do it right at your own detriment. Okay. And I think that digging up the burdock is the medicine. Like that is the indication that that person needs that type of medicine because most people will bail. They'll get to the, they'll, they'll get like three feet down and they'll be like, you know what? There's no way this root's going to come back. It's just, it's good enough, right? It's good enough from here. But the per, the burdock person, the personality type that needs burdock, that hot liver person is like, no, I can't leave it a little bit undone. It's got to get out all the way. And so that type of personality or that, that type of action could um, carry over in so many situations in life. No, I got to get everything on, you know, this part of my list done before I go to the bathroom, before I eat, before I, um, you know, take care of the, the things that um, really need my attention right now. Those type, that type of thing. So I think a burdock for people who are really hot and fiery and in the zone at their own detriment. In traditional medicine, we use words like hot and cold and damp and dry, tense and relaxed as ways of describing how stress can impact a particular tissue state. So when the liver is hot um, in a stressed out state, uh, let me back up. Let me just say, in my studies of the biofield anatomy and other systems of healing, I've come to learn that the liver is a direct relationship to the father. The liver has, is on the right side of the body. This is the masculine side of the body, the projective, um, outwards, um, you know, future side of the body and masculine having to do with things like, um, protecting all of the, like the, in the liver, the case of the liver, like protecting all of the body as a, a self-sacrificing filter so that, you know, none of the rest of the body gets uh, messed up with toxic stuff and making sure that every little cell has its little portion of food on its little plate. And that's all, you know, masculine ideas, right? So I don't know where I was going with this, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the bird. Oh, okay. I do remember when, when, um, when the liver gets stressed out and it's trying to handle all of these things, it's trying to protect, it's trying to ration, it's trying to, you know, uh, sacrifice itself and go to work and it's working, 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 constantly working. Um, it, uh, sometimes it reaches a point in its burden where it says, I can't, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. And when it does, it starts to dump its toxic load outwards to the skin. And so the skin, the look of the skin is always a really good reflection of the liver and the heat of the liver in particular would manifest as like rashes, boils, acne, and uh, stuck liver heat that's trapped by cold. I know this is sounding a little far out there, but if you're into the practice of, uh, energetics, then you might understand these terms when, when there's like, uh, Hmm, how could I say this in nature? Like if you have a charcoal and then you like put it, you like wrap it up and you're going to carry it from one point A to point B and you kind of wrap it up so that it doesn't like burn the rest of your stuff. If a liver is like that, like there's like heat down there, but it's not able to get out and it's like trapped by surrounded by, um, stagnant energy then, and it's stressed out. That would look to me, at least this is my opinion. This is how I would see it as like eczema and dry skin and the, um, the more like chronic forms of, um, stuck heat rather than like acute forms of stuck heat, which would be like, like, 
you know, bright red, you know, fast healing acne, kind of stuff like that. Hope that makes sense. Either case, no matter what the case is, burdock is a great plant for healing the skin. It, it works through the access from the liver to the skin. It helps detoxify and declutter that access. It helps working through the liver itself. And there's so much more. But I love the, and the way, the way that I like to think about this too, is that it has a relationship with the oils in the body. It actually helps um, the body absorb more oils. And so sometimes the sebaceous glands that are on the skin, so we have sweat glands and we have sebaceous glands. The sweat glands respirate water and sweat and the sebaceous glands are what's um, make oil. So the oily surfaces. So sometimes those sebaceous glands get clogged and a particular specific indication for burdock is somebody gets a chill. What's a chill in my definition? A chill is when somebody's perspiration glands and their sebaceous, their perspiration glands are open for whatever reason. Let's say it's the summertime and it's like nice out. And then all of a sudden, like the wind changes off the lake and then uh, it starts raining really quick. And, you know, your, your body wasn't sufficiently tightened up and closed up and battened down. And so what happens is the body releases oil throughout the sebaceous glands is like a protective measure to insulate. But when that happens, a lot of times those, those uh, pores will get clogged with the oil. And therefore, you know, after a few hours, this body's not able to properly ventilate again and it becomes a chill. So if that's the case, if you ever are caught in that situation where you feel like you're kind of sweaty, but then you get cold really quick, it's a really good idea to have a bath or a hot shower or something to prevent that. And another case would be having some burdock because burdock cleans out the sebaceous glands. So it's an amazing detoxifier of the skin through the oil pathways. So I hope that makes sense. Additionally, burdock, and a lot of the literature on burdock is like, oh, it's such great skin herb. It's such great liver herb. Oh, it's the best liver herb. Oh, it's the best skin herb. But a lot of people aren't really talking about how it is such a great kidney detoxifier as well. It's really helpful for, it's a super duper diuretic. So I would definitely recommend burdock in the case of kidney stagnation that is also accompanying anything that we were just talking about here, particularly that personality type. So that's the root, by the way. That's all the root. And one time I was telling the burdock brigade that I was like, you know what, this is that, you know, this is what it does, blah, blah, blah. And they just kind of looked at me like, how dare you, <laughs> how dare you try to, uh, defend this plant is trying to take over our ecosystem with its large leaves. Those same people will go down to the co-op and buy an expensive vegetable called gobo g-o-b-o which is a japanese cuisine and it's a root vegetable and you know what gobo is it's burdock root it's burdock root and it's sold for like five bucks a pound or something like that Ooh, from japan what a delicacy mm, epicure ah, i love it yeah epicurean epicurean um nism somebody who is uh, has a hard time satiating themselves with the gourmet delights. <laughs> I think burdock is a really, really specific plant for them too. So uh, just because of its relationship with satiating the absorption of nutrients and minerals and fats in particular into the body. So we, maybe you're picking up a thread here because I was talking about that last week with sage and how sage is also really helpful for that as well. Burdock, to me, works more on, uh, on the liver than does sage. Do you want to hear another burdock story? All right, here's one. Once upon a time, there was a man in Switzerland, and he was trying to invent the perfect uh, thing to hold, stick things together, and he could not... And every attempt that he had failed. Imagine the Swiss guy with his little Swiss 
socks and his chocolate and he's just throwing a fit ah can't get it i can't get it so he decides to go out one day to the park it's a very steep park because he lived in switzerland it's um it's like a mountain and he's out there with his dog and his dog is probably running around with sheep and stuff and lapping up the waterfalls that flow azure water and he comes back the dog comes back it's one of these big old sheep dogs that has you know hair in front of its eyes and just covered with fur and the man says oh my goodness that's a horrible impression but he's like oh my goodness you have covered yourself with burrs <laughs> so he's pulling these burrs off one by one wait a minute wait hold on a second here i think i may have noticed something so he brings the burr back to his laboratory as he calls it and he puts it under the magnifying glass and he says da das is it yes i have found the the way to make my secret hook and loop plastic holding thing i shall sell it to the velcro company and make millions of whatever money they have there uh swiss francs um and so that's how that's how Velcro was invented. It was inspired by the burrs of Burdock. So I think that Burdock invented dogs. <laughs> I think this guy invented Velcro, and I think Burdock invented dogs. I think uh, Burdock was like, I'm just tired of waiting around for the wind to blow, like Dandelion, my friend Dandelion over there. And Dandelion always just gets to go wherever it wants. Or dandelions just like, well, I don't want to go over there. Ah, the wind is taking me though. I have to, I have to bloom in this crack in the sidewalk. Burdock's like, I have a better idea. I'll invent a creature that loves human beings and will go with them, and my burrs will get stuck to them. And, aha, I that worked great. Yes, I know. What's the next step? Ah, yes, blue jeans. I'll invent those too. So that's the story of Burr. Uh, that's the story of blue jeans. That's how blue jeans were invented. That's how dogs were invented by Burdock. The thing about Burdock, which makes so much sense to me as a Sagittarian herb, is if you've ever walked next to a Burdock, you're pulling them off of your Sagittarius spot of your body. <laughs> you're you're pulling them off of your lappa. <laughs> no, not your hands. Your butt and your thighs and your hips. That's where they like to congregate. And you know what? That's what we use for locomotion. That's what we use to move from one place to another. So it's very easy to entertain the idea that burdock is about uh, the traveler's herb. It's going from one place to another. And it's along for an adventure. It's like grabbing onto the pole of the trolley car like they do in the movies. So yeah, burdock, definitely a traveler's traveler's plant. I think that word invented is funny because um because in the in a Wikipedia article on burdock, it talked about how St. Thomas Aquinas uh, invented the drink that is burdock roots and dandelion roots that's been fermented and it's kind of like a root beer that's exactly what it is it's root beer and the reason why root beer is so good for you um and that is ye old root beer not talking about like a and w or barks or whatever but is because of its ability to help with an aid in digestion and have like a little you know kick and fun while you're at it and uh i thought i always thought oh, that's kind of a weird way of putting it wikipedia that he invented St. Thomas Aquinas invented putting two herbs together that, you know, come on. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so why not? I'll just use that word too. But there's another little story for you. The leaf. I love working with the leaf. You know, a lot of times people are just like the root. Um, 
they want the the root is sold in commerce. It's really hard to find. I've never seen the leaf in commerce, but to me, the leaf is incredible medicine. It's so good for the skin. Look at the leaf next time you see a burdock and feel it. Feel how strong and uh, flexible the leaf is. It feels to me as if it is a representation of healthy skin. And so I have used the leaf in many cases. So I'll start with the most, uh, the first way I used it. And that is once upon a time I was harvesting nettle and I was using my bare hands and I normally do, but on this particular occasion, I was getting irritated with the sting. And so I had a knife with me and I saw there was a lot of burdock around and I just cut a big old leaf of burdock and I used it as like a glove for my nettle harvest. And I wrapped my nettle harvest up in the, in the burdock. And I thought, huh, I wonder if this has been used for wrapping butter. And you know what? I never looked that up, but I bet you, I bet you somebody has used burdock leaf to wrap up butter before. And then another time I got, you know, burdock grows by nettle, as I just mentioned. So one time I got stung by the nettle unsuspectedly, and I didn't, it wasn't in a place that I liked to be stung. I don't remember where. But I thought, I know what the, the, the cure for the nettle sting is always by growing by the nettle. So I went and got some, a burdock leaf and I took away the mid rib, like I took off the leafy part and I just took the mid rib itself and I crushed that up. And inside of that, there was a lot of juice, tons of juice. And I put that on the nettle sting and it neutralized it pretty instantly. And a few seasons of foraging like that. And I started to think, I bet you burdock leaf is actually really good for for your skin when used topically. And so I started doing some research on it and some people were saying, no, yeah, you can, you can uh, juice the leaf and drink that as an infusion. That's great for your skin. So I went out one day and I got some burdock leaf and I brought it back and I put it into my blender with some water. And it was one of the grossest, <laughs> it was so gross. What are you talking about? This, this person was like, I don't think they ever tried that before. It was so bitter. It was not redeemable bitter. It was disgusting. Um, so, okay. <laughs> like what, like what is this person, a leper or something? I didn't understand how that could have been, how anybody would have told, like, how could you have consumed that? Um, but maybe, you know, maybe there's people, um, beyond the ice wall that do that kind of thing. Who knows? Um, but for me, I just like to take the leaf and infuse it into oil top and use it topically. And that is one of my favorite topical plants for healing the skin. I know people are all about calendula. Okay. Calendula is cool. Calendula is great. Love calendula. People are all about plantain. I'm not going to say anything to make any doubt for plantain. It's my favorite. I know people are all about comfrey. Yeah, you know, comfrey, get it. You know, it takes a long time to dry though. Um, But I am, me, am a super duper advocate for burdock leaf. I put it in my all-purpose healing salve and I think that that is the secret ingredient. Here's another story. One time when I was in, um, I was studying, I think it was 2000. 14. I was studying with herbalist Jim McDonald in Michigan. So I'm in Wisconsin, driving to Michigan. There's a couple other people who are driving long distances too. And this was a three season course. And so one weekend with that we were there, we decided to get like a, a little cabin, like Airbnb state park cabin thing. And so we're all, so we invited the rest of the group over and we're like hanging out and we had a fire, whatever. And it's getting late and we're all sitting around telling stories like this around the fire. And somebody had their shoes up on the fire ring. It was like sandals or something. And somebody mentioned to them, Oh my God, your sandals are melting. And the person went, what? And they like touched, they like put their hand on the sole of their sandal to like confirm it as in like a, I don't know, just it was a stupid mistake, right? And as as soon as they did that, this burning hot liquid tar sandal goo was on their hands and it like horribly burned their hands so bad. 
And so I had some bur- uh, some bee balm honey, and I was like, uh, put some of this on. And Jim, he's like, he went out and he had a flashlight, and he's like, uh, went out and found some burdock, and he brought it back. And he's like, I learned this trick from the Amish. And so I, I never really used it like this before, but this this will be cool. So he, again, took away the midrib this time, discarded the midrib, just using the leaf, chopped up the leaf really fine, to, as to bring out the juices. Mixed the, the leaf and juice with an egg white, stirred up that mixture, and then put that onto the the person's hand, and then wrapped it up with another burdock leaf and then wrapped it up again with some like bandage and whatnot. And so the next day, like this person had a severe burn, like it was horrible. And within a few days, there was hardly any scar left at all. The egg white creates like a matrix and, you know, has a a highly structured water um, that allows the, the the juice of the burdock leaf to penetrate into the skin and it was an amazing wow i could not believe it so that was that was really cool i will um you know i'll still go with honey as like my very first thing that i reach for for burns but if i'm out camping and you know you're in the woods and you have eggs (laughs) and even if you don't um work with some burdock in that type of situation i think it would be really really helpful to me it was the best thing i've ever seen for burns burdock leaf so that's the leaf you know sometimes every year too when people are like looking for rhubarb um they'll come across burdock and they're like wait a minute is that rhubarb or is that burdock because rhubarb has also has a like really big leaf but it has like a red more it's like brightish red whereas like burdock has like a purplish um undigested blood lack of blood signature that moves through the the midrib and people will say i don't know if that's isn't there like a poisonous lookalike to rhubarb? I'm not sure. I'm just going to. And actually, it's the other way around. <laughs> Burdock's fine. Burdock's totally fine. It is in, in the Asteraceae family. So it's in the dandelion family. It's in the sunflower family. So a very small percentage of people are just allergic to that family. So people who are allergic to chamomile, they're allergic to echinacea, they're allergic to sunflowers. They know it. It's like point zero three percent of people okay if you're not in that then it's not poisonous it's it might be gross <laughs> it's really gross to drink or eat the leaf of burdock but it ain't gonna hurt you however rhubarb is um is high in a compound called um anthraquinones and those are i wouldn't say they're poisonous but they make they their medicine is that they make you um, have to go to the bathroom immediately. <laughs> so I don't know if you consumed a lot of that, I guess that would be really, really toxic to your, to your, um, intestines, but that's actually, you know, back in time, people needed that kind of stuff. So just to make, just to make it clear, burdock is fine. Burdock is safe. Rhubarb, which people sometimes say that, Oh, there's a false rhubarb that is poisonous. Nope. That's a myth. It's the other way around. Rhubarb is the one that can make you crap your pants. So burdock is great. Burdock is awesome. So why do I use burdock every day? Well, I love burdock because it is a medicinal plant that is nutritive. And I would say it's one of the six or seven nutritive herbal infusions that could be in a rotation. And for that, I mean like nutritive herbal infusions a la wise woman tradition. So you take a, an ounce of the herb and you steep it in hot water for four hours or overnight in a quart of hot water, that is. And then you, you strain it and drink it. And then, you know, you can usually get a, another dose of that too if you steep it a second time. For me, I'll take burdock for my nutritive herbal infusion. Some people like nettle. Some people like marshmallow. Some people like linden. Some people like red clover. Some people like comfrey. Oh, how dare you? Comfrey, aren't you not supposed to? Some people like um, moringa. There's a lot of plants that have their their um, medicine is more like food. 
and burdock is one of them, right? Gobo, you can buy it at the store. How much, how much of this uh, radish looking vegetable is a medicinal dose? That's kind of the question, right? How much blueberries can you eat? I don't know. Whole pail? Might, do you get sick? No. I mean, kind of, I get a ton, you know, you might get full. That's the same idea with burdock is that it's medicinal, but it's nutritive. So the, the medicine is like the, is the food. It's the, uh, nutrition that the burdock has all of those woolly mammoth cell salts and the, um, the way that it allows the body to absorb nutrition through that oily access and also the improving of the elimination part of the body. So improving the liver's function in eliminating, improving the skin's ability in eliminating toxins, and improving the kidney's ability in eliminating toxins. And another thing I find particularly enjoyable about burdock is the flavor. Like it's kind of bitter, but it's kind of sweet. It, to me, it's more sweet than bitter. Like, I feel like it's definitely sweeter. Um, some people will say that it's just kind of earthy, and, I, and some people will complain about it too. But to me, it's quite enjoyable. I love the flavor of burdock. It's, it's awesome. And to me, it tastes like a rooty vegetable. And then there's another thing that I think about with burdock too that I would like to cover now, and that is like the spiritual energetic application of taking something like a tap root and putting that into your body, the medicine of grounding, the medicine of deep, deep, deep grounding, going down deep. Where can I go? How deep can I go? As far as I want, what's down there to explore? What's within to explore? So for airy types, People who are in their mind a lot, when this time of year comes around, this is the mental time of year. This is the most ungrounded time of year. In the Ayurvedic tradition, it's called the Vata season. Several, the north wind, right? It's about, um, um, it's not about being present and feeling good in the sunshine, right? <laughs> no, there's a lot of environmental things to think about too, and and. It, and survival type of instincts kind of kick in, especially when it gets cold. So that's what I love about burdock is that it helps me feel rooted and safe and secure. We're talking about root chakra. We're talking about security, home, um, things like that. Um, let me tell you one, one more story too, or two more stories. Actually, when I was, when I'm on an herb walk, um, one of the things that I, that occurred to me after, being talking about burdock and being like, you know, this plant to my left here is burdock. And I'm just like looking over at it. And then I turn around and I'm like completely covered in burdock. Like what, where did it, how did it get? I thought I was staying out of it and my back and all my, you know, everything is like always covered in burdock. So it occurred to me that day because I had been going through a time where a lot of stuff, what I felt like was sticking to me. Like it was just, I just felt like I was a magnet for crap, <laughs> not other people's crap or whatever, but I was just like, even my own, like I just had a hard time letting go of things that were bothering me. And this, this occurred to me on this herb walk and I grabbed these burrs and I was like, let's try this. Let's just think about these burrs as representing, and I'm just like pulling them, putting them on me willfully, mentally putting them on me and tending them. And I'm going to carry them along with me for a little while. And then I'm going to think about the thing that I, is sticking to me. I'm going to put my energy into that for a second and my attention into that. I'm going to let it come up to the surface and I'm going to grab this burr when I'm ready to let it go. And I'll just pull it off me and I'll throw it into the ground right where the burdock brigade threw it up or dug it up. <laughs> so I get some burdock brigade burdock next year. It's called a uh, good carpenter doesn't chop down the forest. Okay. So I got to make sure there's a burdock crop next year. And, uh, and I just throw these little burrs and I say, all right, well, thank you for the lesson. Thank you for coming to my attention. And I release, 
I release it now and I throw it away. And um, just, I don't know, going through an activity like that is, um, I think is a really good way of cutting ties with things that you f- might feel are like sticking to you too much. And um, so that's one little story. Here's another one. This is a really fun. All right. In this place called South Queens Ferry, which is in Scotland, it's near Edinburgh. Once a year in August, there is a festival and it's called the Bury Man's Parade. And it happens on Friday morning of, it's like the second uh, Friday of August or the first Friday of August. So it's hot as hell. (laughs) It's really hot. Okay, picture that. And it can't be that hot. It's in Scotland, but it's probably one of the hottest days of the year there. And so it is a great honor for somebody to be chosen that day as the Bury Man. And what happens to the Bury Man? Well, the first thing he does is he wakes up super early in the morning. He gets to Bury Man headquarters and like a mummy, they wrap him up in bandages all around from, from the toe all the way up to the head cover his everything except for his eyes basically and once he's mummified then they start to put on a suit that they've made the week before made with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of burdock burrs so he puts on the burdock pants puts on the burdock upper armor thing puts on the burdock burrs helmet and his face is completely covered with burrs except for three holes, two eyes and a mouth, okay? And then the Burry Man will be accompanied by two handlers. This is very Freemasonic looking because it's Scotland. And so they have like staves and they have like this, I don't know. They have, they have the look of Masons. And so they're, they're walking in this Burry Man around the town and everywhere the Burry Man goes, he's supposed to go like seven miles or something like that. But he's, it's a small town. So he stops at every single place and everywhere he goes, people will offer him scotch. <laughs> so they all have their little uh, low ball glasses of scotch and they have straws and they put it in, you know, the straw up to his mouth and he drinks the scotch and sometimes they give him money or something like that. And I don't know if it's like raising money for something or whatever, but this guy is going around town covered in burrs on the hottest day of the year, drinking scotch for nine hours, (laughs) nine hours, the Burry man. Yes. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be awesome to be a Burry man? Or does that sound like hell? I don't know. I think that burdock now, now what we're talking about with the liver, liver health, isn't it funny to, to me too, that like, um, burdock grows like crazy in M- Milwaukee where I'm, where I am. I've never been to a place where burdock is so abundant as this town. And so this is a big drinking town. So I'm just thinking that like Burry man, like he's just like wearing the medicine. He's probably like impenetrable from the scotch. Like he could, like he could probably drink for 18 hours and it wouldn't hurt him at all because he's covered in like this, this like, uh, I don't know, spiritual armor of birds or something. I don't know, but yeah. So that's my, that's one other story. And then another thing that I found that I thought was interesting was that in uh, Turkish culture, there's a, they use a motif of burdock in their rug making to uh, ward off the evil eye. And I'm like, man, how come everything in Turkish culture seems like it's warding off the evil eye? Is that, I'm just joking here. I don't know much, I'm showing my ignorance on Turkish culture, but <laughs> come on. What's up with the evil eye? Every time I hear about an evil eye, it's coming out of Turkey. And it seems like everything they do. I was on a Turkish Airlines once, and like the whole plane was the color of the thing that, whatever that blue, the blue thing that they do to ward off the evil eye. And I was like, this is cool. They even had like 
real nice food and nice silverware and things like that. And they had like some really crazy music playing when you got on the plane. Um, so I think all of that was about warding off the evil eye too. <laughs> but these motifs, you could tell when they're, when, if you take a burr and you draw it like designed two-dimensionally, it really does look like a, an eye, um, like a, the uh, eyelashes of an eye on the top and eyelashes of the eye on the bottom. And, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. There's probably something to it. I think burdock is a great representation of Jupiterian um, jolliness. You know, I'm looking for a plant archetype that embodies this expansiveness of Jupiter. In Sagittarius, I would find a plant that has really big old leaves. I would find a plant that has a giant taproot that would take the will of Thor to dig it up. <laughs> you know, Thor's all about killing giants. Um, I would find something of the Jupiterian color of the third eye, you know, the lavender, pink, purple, third eye color. Um, I would find a plant that has a way of sticking and making you acknowledge your butt and your hips <laughs> to any sort of passing pilgrim. And I would also find an oily flavor that would stimulate digestive secretions and tarry the tummy of a tired traveler. And that plant is burdock. Well, that's all for now. Join us next time for another Herb of the Week. Thank you. Ciao for now.